Welcome to a football show here, Tuesday edition. Not sure we've ever said that, but it's a Tuesday edition because, of course, Monday was a holiday. Hope everybody had a great Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Is Monday a holiday? I mean, do you count the day after Christmas a holiday? The damn people picking up the trash don't. So, uh, I mean, uh, God bless you all for doing it, by the way, um, because I didn't get my trash can out on Monday. Uh, but it's a holiday. If, if, if my kids are not allowed to go to school and my wife's not at work, uh, it's a holiday. So that, that's how I define it. Um, and, of course, next week, same exact thing. We'll be on Tuesdays at 1 o'clock. By the way, this Friday, we'll recap the Thursday game against the Cowboys. We'll be live at 9 a.m. So it's a Tuesday-Friday week here on a football show brought to you by the Kingston Group. And, of course, the pharmacy over there in East Nashville. They said they were so crowded, Zach. We have done such a good job for the pharmacy. They were so crowded that we couldn't go do the show there today. We had to do Pretty it good. from home. And, obviously, it's exclusively because of the work that you and I have done here on a football show. Obviously. No no doubt that that is wh- exactly what it is. <laughs> it's nothing to do with 32-degree weather. <laughs> nothing. nothing <laughs> and none of the that. tables being available outside. It has everything to do with the fact that we continue to tell you to go eat your great burgers Go eat your great worse. Go get your locally sourced beers over there at the pharmacy and have a great time without your screens, without listening to press conferences, without watching the Titans games, without watching bowl games. Just just avoid it altogether. Go to the pharmacy. Have a great uh, a great meal there with your friends and family. Uh, and of course, make sure you uh, check out the Kingston Group as well. Buildkg.com is the website. Uh, we'll tell you more about, of course, the Kingston Group and pharmacy a little bit later on. Zach, how was your holiday, man? You feeling better? It sounds like you're good, uh, despite the Titans outcome. Yeah, feeling better. Um essentially I rebounded a rat around Saturday or Sunday, but it, we spent, we spent Christmas just us. We watched uh, for the first time. Cause I, I, when Harry Potter first came out, wasn't big into the books. I uh, never read the books, never really have watched one movie all the way through, let alone the whole series. So our, my wife is a huge Harry Potter fan, okay. a big pothead. And we basically went through the whole thing. And I have to say, Thoroughly enjoyed the Harry Potter movies. A lot of di- a lot of inspiration from Die Hard throughout the 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 series. I mean, just everywhere. And um, also, Alan Rickman, King of the Holidays, no doubt. He is starred in all Harry Potter movies, which are considered Christmas movies. Die what? Hard, and not only that, not only Die Hard and all the Harry Potter movies. Also, Love Actually. Um, we're gonna, we will talk about football apparently today on the show. Uh, have you seen the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special? I did. It was very good. It, that is the funniest Christmas special I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I, I would I, have to say so. Like, like you know how all these movies and shows, they do their little 20-minute, 10-minute, 30-minute remake or whatever to spice it up for the holidays. Yeah. I, my, my wife and I laughed out loud. The daughters love it. Uh, I don't know if they should be watching that, but I don't care. I think that's good parenting. So yeah. um, we, we watched that. I like, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, there's a few shits. You know, oh, well. and some like some like guns and people. Your like, kids they're, they're probably already cussing. How old are four, they again? They're full. One of them's four. <laughs> was it? I mean, like I was pretty close, like six or seven. I mean, I'm I mean, not that far away. You did. You do have a podcast, by the way. Check it out this week. Football and other f words that is titled f words. Um, but no, my daughters don't know those words yet. They they say they still use uh like like poo poo butt and doo doo head and like they're still in the potty potty words situation, yeah. but. Uh, they, they we don't listen to that Disney shit music either. We listen to like real music, so they're probably going to cuss a lot soon. So we'll see. We're just trying to hold off. Uh, Apparently, right. Derek Henry's entire press session and in, in the locker room was only like thirty seconds today, which is going to be interesting. I can't wait to listen to this after the show. Yeah. So it's a it. Listen, I I, I the the thing that keeps and we're going to talk Titans. We're going to talk about this Mike Vrabel not really doing his team many favors, of course, with oh. his comments to the press both after games and 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 after practices. Um, you know, listen, there was Shane Bowen, Malik Willis was available today. There's a lot of people available today. Um, but we're going to talk a lot about where the, uh, to me and, and we'll touch on some bowl games and, and we'll touch on some other stuff, uh, the injuries, but, and, and a lot of Malik Willis, I know you have a great piece, by the way, Broadway sports media, check it out, go sign up for an insider. You could have had early access to that article by Zach looking at Malik Willis's performance on Saturday. To me, it's just it's so weird, Zach. I don't know. My brain just goes right back to the crossroads comment. And I remember us doing a show and I said, this was so weird, dude. This was so weird. And you were like, yeah, you didn't kind of you weren't as weirded out as it as I was. But you kind of were like, yeah, okay." And then like the next day, John Robinson is fired. And now a couple of weeks later, we are asking ourselves questions about the future of Mike Vrabel. The, the who who is committed to playing football like this entire organization if that was in fact the crossroads this entire organization is unraveling before our very eyes 
in with Derrick Henry fumbles, like it's just I, I if you would have told me all this stuff was going to happen five or six weeks ago, I would have laughed at you when they were seven and three. This is it's unbelievable what's happening. It it is wild. It's a uh, I, I think many people are disheartened by it. Um, you know, specifically after the game, and we'll talk about it more in depth of football and other efforts, but. Mike Herndon was basically the Jets loss after 2021 when they lost to the Jets. Him and Lebowski were like just distraught, right, on the episode. And I was like, guys, calm down. Multiply that by 20. Season is over. Not only the season over, the the next five years, dark as hell. Like, I mean, he is he was in his (laughs) feels. I I, you couldn't bring him out of it. So I'm going to see how he is now a couple days removed. But, I mean, I think a lot of fans are disheartened. A lot of fans are left questioning Vrabel, his his commitment to getting better, his commitment to the next step. And and meanwhile, Vrabel's questioning his players commitments and and well sorry so all right we'll get to we'll get we'll get to all of that i i think to just a quick kind of it is 48 hours removed from the game i had some time to like rewatch it which is some sadomasochism at its finest but like you know derrick henry's fumbles are one thing that's fine uh we'll get we'll discuss a lot about malik willis and the growth has he improved has he not improved from a metric standpoint the eye test again you wrote a great piece about it but this offense had the football on its final six drives four times inside the Texans territory. They managed a turnover on downs, a lost fumble, and two interceptions. The last one kind of doesn't really count, but it is technically a drive. Um, they they have lost now football games, allowing 21 points to the Giants, 20 points to the Chiefs, 20 points to the Bengals, 17 points to the Chargers, 19 points to the Texans, lost all five of those games, four of them at home. And the defense got stops inside their own 10-yard line. They had every conceivable opportunity to win that football game, to be 8-7 and seven with a winning record. And I know you and I disagreed on picking 10th or 11th versus picking 20th or 22nd. I would still rather have a playoff game to enjoy and a division championship to enjoy. I don't care as much about the 7, 8, 9, 10 spots in the draft. I, I you know, I, It's just not as big a deal I, to I think personally. the team needs a win they're not going to get it on thursday but the team needs a win to get into the playoffs they need to get in the playoffs and then they'll of course lose in the playoffs because that's what they do and and i agree with you on thursday and again here's the other thing another reminder brought to you by the kingston group and the pharmacy friday morning recap uh (laughs) uh, (laughs) i'm not sure what to call friday morning's recap episode (laughs) what is what it's going to be hangover complain fest i don't it's it's not going to be pretty but come hang out with us and we can all leave it in the old year or something like that we'll leave it in 2022 yes yes we're moving on uh we're we gotta it's it it is just there's so much that came out of this loss unbelievable that that it's hard to it's hard first off to keep a show an hour so i'm very lucky that i get this show and football under the f words like we record back to back you know you had to do your own show you needed so much you had so much to say i I just had (laughs) there's just so much to come out of it that thought that the comments the play of malik willis the comments from fans the comments from mike vrabel the comments from the players i mean everything that is coming out is this is a totally different team than what it was just five weeks ago I mean, really, just really, it's a totally different team even after whatever, the however far long ago the Bengals game was or even the game after that. It's just a totally different team. Since the Eagles loss, you have to think that A.J. Brown at Christmas said, I don't need any presents. I got it from what happened in Nashville. Wow. Um, all right, so we were going to do Malik Willis before <laughs> Vrabel, but can we switch that up? Are you capable of live producing the show oh, like this? That. Let's go Vrabel first here because it feels like that's where we're at now two days later is is how different this team and the organization is. Now, a lot of this, again, even NPF had to leave the game. So it, it, the, the offensive line is still in shambles. Did they use Traylon Burks the way they're supposed to? Absolutely not. No. But they still had so many chances to win this game. They still had chances to beat the Bengals. They had chances to beat the Chargers. So it's not like I don't want to go full scale doom and gloom in the whole like I don't believe Herndon in that five years, the next five years are going to be atrocious. I, 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 I don't think it's I look, you remember how bad 2015 was and was how bad. how quick 2016 was flipped on its head. That's the NFL. Why yeah. can't the same thing happen yeah. with this? I mean, it's almost the same exact team, right? 
you you except for without the question at quarterback, but technically you didn't have a question at quarterback then. So like, no. I mean, I personally did, but you don't, <laughs> right? I mean, you still have Tannehill that you can go to. Your offensive line is a mess. Your pass catchers need work, and you. This offense is arguably worse than 2014's offense, but with right. better talent. When you really think about it, they have better talent than that 2014 team. So why can't a GM with Mike Vrabel as the head coach come in and flip it around fairly quickly? So let's that, that's get, my thing. That's my no, no. I think you're. I think you're a million percent correct. I, I think, think there's the a NFL. lot to be said about what Vrabel's doing right now, and it's talking about what's right now and how it may lead and impact his future. But you know, it's all speculation. Now, I, I thought it was interesting because the the start of the Mike Vrabel conversation is is the crossroads comment that then leads to the is the precursor to John Robinson getting fired. Then we sort of have all the we you kind of also have to know how Mike Vrabel talks, which I think Titans fans do. They kind of know how to read between the lines when he says a bunch of stuff and he, he doesn't really take the blame for stuff, but then he kind of does, and, and you're not really sure. It does feel like he has been a little bit more clear about the fact, especially with the move to fire the general manager who is in charge of the players. Last year's offseason, you've pointed this out a number of times, changing all of the <laughs> the coaches aren't the problem, it's the players, right? And and this eight to four comment about uh, again take take the the numbers to be whatever you want them to mean to me it means he thinks his team isn't working hard enough his team yeah, he, isn't he, committed enough and, and that's he, a strange thing to totally say means yeah because I mean and then he tried to backtrack and spin some yarn on Monday because he realized he was caught in a rare vulnerable state. On Say, Sunday, after the he was game. just saying and, the shit, and he was just saying it, and it was the first thing that popped in his head. And he, I know he regrets saying it, and he even tried to backtrack it in that same press conference. But you know what? That was the honest answer because you know why? Jeffrey Simmons said the same thing leading into the week. He said almost yeah. the exact same thing, and Vrabel said it on Monday in the presser when he was trying to backtrack. He said, "Any message I give you guys is a message I've given them." So he's been talking about this at least it's at some point during this losing streak. He's been talking about the guys that are 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I think the guys that are making the same mistakes over and over are the guys that he's talking about. I so think let me, when you're talking penalties, when you're talking yeah, yeah. technique, yeah, yeah. Yep. when you're talking not knowing where you're supposed to be, those are the guys he's talking about. That's what I was going to ask you is because you can't, I don't think you can call into question like LaRaven Clark. <laughs> like yeah. maybe, maybe he's not doing what he's supposed to do, but the guy hasn't been starting. He, he's been thrust into a situation because of injuries, multiple injuries, three injuries in theory to, in that situation. I, I, he, I, to me, he can't be talking about the injury part of this equation of the roster, no. right? No, he can't be no. doing that. So who like Kevin Byard blew a coverage on on like the second drive, uh, but I to, know like, Kevin who's he talking? Is not that guy. No, I know. I'm just saying. I'm I'm yeah. trying to use an example of like Kevin oh, Byard. NPF Roger McCreary. I mean, you talk about two guys that have had the same stuff pop up. Not turning your head around. Not uh, always getting penalties. You're talking about um, Dennis Daly is probably one of them. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of them. Dillard Radens is probably one of them. I, I would venture to say. I think Bud Dupree is one of them. And and he's a veteran, and I think Bud Dupree and Rashad Weaver, because we've already seen instances of Rashad Weaver, can't even make it to on time to his rehab, and he lives two minutes away. So I think there is a, a copious amount of people that are a lot amount of people that are contributing to this that are actual players that are playing sixteen games or seventeen games at this point that he's fed up with, and and I, maybe he's just mad the NPF. I, just you can't do that to rookies. You can't do that to rookies, though. Why not? He I holds mean, I, the same I, standard as he does veterans. I, he I always agree. has, always will. I agree, but if you're going to call out your team, I'm just going to kind of speak from my own. Like, if you're going to call out your team for lack of commitment, whatever that might mean in your yeah. head, I, I feel like there you you need to be talking to the to the guys who are established. You need to be talking to the leaders and the veterans on the team that you don't think you're getting enough from. Bud Dupree, for example is a perfect one that I would say if, if he's frustrated with Bud Dupree making mistakes, not being where he's supposed to, not doing his job, not being as committed or whatever, that that's the, like, I don't think you go and call out a, a rookie right tackle forced into duty and a rookie corner forced into duty with Christian Fulton being out. I'm not saying they're not making mistakes. I'm saying that to me isn't like, I would say that's not good coaching or leadership. 
I would disagree because you need to, first off, you want to break them in as how you want them, right? If you're letting them off the hook just because they're they're rookies, they're never going to learn and never going to get better. The These these players... No, you're not today, wrong about that. Yeah, these players today need... They need proper expectations set. And if, the, and if he's saying you need to come in here early... And we need to get this all hammered out and working out. And that guy doesn't show up. Then that guy deserves to be reprimanded. Now, listen, I don't think he's going through every player and undressing them in the locker room. I think he may be having private meetings or he's using generalities and sending a message and letting his player leaders step in. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm not necessarily saying that he's going in through an undressing. I'm telling you who I think the guys are that yeah, are yeah, not yeah. putting the work. And who he's talking to in a broad sense, and, right? And I and I what I am kind of replying to that with is if if I am the leader of fifty dudes and I have lost quote unquote lost the commitment level that I expect, I am not blaming the the youngest and the worst players on the team. Like I'm not they, they might be a part of the problem, but that it is it is a it is the core top 10, 12, 15 veteran leaders that are required to 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 show and carry the commitment of the locker room. And I, I'm not even saying that that's Well, I would say, that's, but that's though, lost, outside but. of Bud Dupree, who would be the guy that's a veteran that you think is not pulling their weight? That is, that fits in that mold. I, I, that, that's, that's why I was asking. It's like, I don't, I don't honestly not. know. That's is why it, I don't think it is. Is it I, Robert well, Woods? Like, is it Austin Hooper? Is it Amani I mean, Hooker? Maybe, like, I don't know. I mean, look at what, like to me, when he's talking about that, look at Jack Gibbons. He came in, he was on fire, he knew what to do, he was in the right moment, the right time, and then you look, okay, here's a guy, Zach Cunningham. That's one, that's Cunningham exactly right. has to be one of those guys. And I, I think, I, think I forgot about him. But, you know, you see the stark difference of someone that's been preparing and is seizing the moment, and a guy that thinks that he's owed something and is not doing his job. I, I, I it's funny multiple times this year out of Zach Cunningham. No, and I we think know he has that issue from his Texans days. I completely agree with Cunningham as being a potential candidate primarily. Uh, I, I it, Derrick Henry has made some mistakes, but no one is going to suggest that Derrick Henry's not working hard enough or isn't committed. I wouldn't guess. Um, there are some other veterans on the offense. Again, I'm not saying that these are the guys he's talking yeah. about. I'm just trying to pick out the names that could be possible. Right. Um, I, here's the one, one quick comment on the Cunningham thing. And I, I don't know. Tell me if you thought this too, but didn't Zach Cunningham have a pick six in Nissan Stadium on the goal line as a Houston Texan? I think he did. Like 100 yards back the other yeah. way. And didn't he drop it right yeah. in his hands in this game? Oh, yeah, like, for sure. To me, I saw that and I looked at my brother and I was like, that's exactly what he did that. Like, he, he did that exact thing to the Titans in this building at that spot on the same left side of the field on the north end zone. And at that time, he made the play. And this time, it just falls to the ground. They, they had so many opportunities to win the game. And I, it is hard to look at the core of this team and find the guys that he could be talking about. To your point, it doesn't yeah. mean that Roger McCreary doesn't need to fix mistakes or that MPS again, one of the it's only just hard to find, it's like, it's Zach Cunningham and Bud Dupree, right? I mean, like those are Maybe. the veterans. If you're talking about guys that are in the league four years or longer that are considered veterans, those would seem to be the guys because the guys that step in to replace them, your Mario Edwards, your Demarcus Walkers, your Dylan Coles, your Joe Schoberts, your uh, Dr. It's Jack not, Gibbons. They, it's not they their job. In. It's yeah, not. They, they step in and elevate their own right. game while these guys are obviously ha are coasting. To, I mean, to that's me, what it feels like to me is that some yeah. of these players are just coasting and maybe they've given up and they're like, well, I'm not putting in any more extra work. Maybe this is a new thing that maybe this is not a season long epidemic, but in a this losing streak, certain players are like, well, I'm not putting in the work. And then certain rookies are like, well, if I see my, my veteran leader, not putting in the work, maybe I'm not going to put in the work. Well, you right. got to put a stop to that. And you get, you get, the rookies are going to be here next year. Some of these veteran players are not. Yeah. And, and to me, that's, I guess what ultimately comes down to is, I don't view it as the job of the rookies or the last, let's say, six players on the, the 47 yeah. or the 53. It's not their job to set the commitment tone or the or the 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 work ethic tone or the like. It's great if they do. And that's why you draft them. And that's why you want them as a part of your organization. Again, I think McCreary has shown 
Like he he's a worker. He likes the game. He's he's willing to admit when he makes mistakes. Like I don't think it's Roger McCreary's job to carry the commitment level of the defense. And frankly, the he's got to carry his own personal commitment level. And that that's where ultimately exactly. I think some of these things are lying or or there I I don't think it's a team issue necessarily. I think it's an individual player issue. And I think there is a handful of individual players that are playing yeah. considerable snaps that are putting in hard work when they're there, but they're not putting in extra work okay. or they're not doing either. And I and think that's both is a problem. S, S uh, Rob. And if you want to jump in the comments, please, I, I would love to hear from people on this because it's hard to explain other than the injuries and the lack of talent and just sort of like what's happening to the organization. Culture is one of the strengths of Rabel. I don't understand how that could be all of a sudden crumbling and i do think that's fair it's hard to understand the implosion other than pure lack of talent and you've already fired the guy who was responsible for that so now it's rabel's job to fix all this other stuff and maybe he's frustrated and inventing it a little bit more than we this is the first time he's really been met with this level of adversity right he's never had a losing streak this long probably even going back to his playing days with the patriots he may have had it with the chiefs but I don't think there's been a losing streak of this magnitude inside of his whole career. I may have to research that, bring that up. But there, there's uh, he's never really had to deal with this kind of adversity either as a player or as a coach. And he coaches well, coaching for the like Texans. a player. Coaching for the Texans, he had some some well those. defensive coordinator, <laughs> I guess. But well, I don't know when he coached for the Texans, they were they were eleven uh, five teams and t- they were winning divisions. No, that's that's true. That's true. So I don't think he's ever had to face this adversity. So I think this is all new to him. But again, winning cures everything, right? Unfortunately, you're going up against the Dallas Cowboys who are going to boat race you because you have to rest players so you can win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But what's interesting to me, the 8 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. I thought was super interesting. I I think that tells you a lot about the state of the locker room. Now, tie that in with a question by, I believe it was Terry McCormick, on Monday to Vrabel. Does this you talked about this team having the confidence to get out of the losing streak a few weeks ago? Does this team still have that confidence? And all he did was avoid saying yes, yep, yeah, positive that this team has confidence. He didn't even mention the word confidence in any of his replies. This team right now is at the lowest of lows. It's not going to get better after the Cowboys game. In fact, they shouldn't even have a post-game press conference at the Cowboys game. I think that everybody just needs to take the week off as far as the press, the fans, <laughs> the analysts, because this game is so meaningless, it's ridiculous. And you know what? Let's all go in thinking this because you know what's going to happen? Titans are going to win. <laughs> I know that's what I was just thinking. It's like they're gonna go. I don't know what the point spread is, but it's probably what like nine, ten points or something. And and they're they're watch watch them win outright. Um, I it, it, Chris says this. The difference between last year and this year has been QB one health. How many more wins do they have if seventeen plays all season? Maybe one. I, I'm not willing to say that it's it, Ryan Tannehill wasn't playing elite football. It was coming around. I think but, you 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 have the Chiefs game, and I think you have the Texans game. Well, I'm willing to throw the Texans game. I think you have the Chiefs game for sure. Yeah, I think it's one. I think it's at least yeah. one. But again, even within yeah. the offense, you, you the offensive line has never been healthy. Burks has been in and out of the lineup, and we'll get to how. I mean, listen, this offense, whether it was Malik Willis's fault or not, they had 12 negative plays. 12 negative plays on offense. And I guess, I, I don't know, I, I'm not done with Rabel yet. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to move on to Willis in the offense, but... 12 negative plays. Um, and then the question from, from AE says, do you think Vrabel goes, um, is gone after the season? And if he stays, does he get more power? I think the second question is far more realistic. I don't think he gets fired. I, at I, I, I don't know. But AE, listen to this week's football and other words, and we'll talk a little bit about this. <laughs> uh, and I'll just say this. I have some, some text messages to some college sources. How about that? There you go. <laughs> I've got some text um, messages out to college sources. I thought this was interesting because I want to put this to bed. Unless Sean Payton and company want to come to Nashville, but Rabel's here to stay. They're not coming to Nashville. It's L.A. or Arizona for Sean Payton. They're not 100% not coming to Nashville. Get it out of your head. Sean Payton is not coming here without like a 10-year, $100 million commitment and full power to bring his own GM and 
because there's nothing here for a guy like Sean Payton. There's no, he doesn't want to do a retooling or major rebuilding. He wants to go to a team that has pieces in place already that he can take and say, I can make this the next Saints team. Well, I'm, I'm with you on Arizona because I think Cliffy's done. I don't think Staley's done for the Chargers. Obviously, well, there's Sean McVay's probably going to retire from all. Oh, oh, okay. Reports. Sorry. You said LA. I was immediately thinking and Char- Staley Chargers. and Chargers people, they're still not sold that Staley keeps his job with the way that the offense has been going. But we'll see it, because Sean they, Payton dictates, right? Yeah. yeah are yeah. you going to want Brandon Staley or are you going to want Sean Payton? I mean, you want, I mean, there's not many teams in the league that keep their coach. Right. Like if I'm the Commanders, I'd rather have Sean Payton over Ron Sean Rivera. Sean Payton is picking his team and or the team yeah. that he's going to. Yeah. It's not going to be the Titans. Well, and frankly, I don't. I, to me, the statistical probability that Mike Vrabel is not the head coach next year is like less than two percent. Like I, to me, it's an extremely low number. Maybe I'm being naive, but it's an extremely low number. There's not anybody out there that's automatically better. Again, except for maybe Sean Payton. I, you've already made the big move, guys. Like you've made the big move to shake it all up. And if, especially if somebody in-house gets the job as the GM, which is still possible, then you know Mike Vrabel's the one with the power. And that that's okay. It just means it's on him to make the right decisions from now on. I, I'm not I, we're, <laughs> I'm not in the building. I'm not here to say, like, I think this is right or wrong. I can give you my opinion. But then what we tell you is the results, the consequences. And the consequences of this is that they, they are, if they give all the power to Vrabel, then it's all on Vrabel. That's it. That's it's not that complicated to, to understand. The, the hiring of the GM, whether Vrabel stays or or not, the hiring of the GM is going to tell you everything you need to know about Vrabel's status, right? I mean, yep. yep. If the GM is someone from outside the organization, then he probably they're very compatible, have the same shared vision, but Vrabel doesn't have final say. If it's someone inside the building. Probably Vrabel yeah. has final say. Yeah. It, it's I don't think it's much more complicated than no. that. Um, again, I think the plan is not all that complicated. It's hire a really quality GM, change your offensive coordinator, draft a bunch of linemen and receivers, and then ride with who you have at quarterback for the short term. Solve the quarterback ter- pr- problem long term. Two drafts from now, I don't. I don't totally think agree. it's. I don't think it's that complicated. But me, um, me and Mike also have a big show. We don't know if we're gonna do it heading into Week 18. Or after week 18, but we're going to have a really big, large discussion about this team's future as it pertains to Malik Willis. It's going to be really big. It's going to be I'm like a big. To, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit like you just save all your good stuff for Mike. And that kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. We, you know? we talk about the more, uh, I guess, the analytical <laughs> side of things. You know, we, we talk about the extreme weird stuff. You mean like uh, c- completion percentage above expected for Malik Willis on yeah. third downs when being blitzed? <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I enjoy that stuff too. It just sometimes the acronyms get a little uh, yeah. governmental. It's a lot of acronyms. It gets acronyms. a little governmental a for me. Uh, so speaking of acronyms, you want to talk about Malik Willis here for a second? Because, I, I mean, I think we've gone over, you probably have read and have seen enough content about the Titans game to know how many missed opportunities they had on offense, how many missed opportunities they had on defense, um, and how many chances they had to win that game. They they I, they should have won the game. Um, I don't know. Like, First of all, the Houston Texans. <laughs> sometimes I enjoy watching people be creative, and sometimes I just laugh about it. Watching them yo-yo their quarterbacks in and out of the lineup and win a football game in the professional ranks is one of the silliest things I've ever seen. I mean, it worked against Kansas City Chiefs for a hot minute. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. It's very strange. It's very Steve Spurrier, like Florida Gators uh, kind of stuff. Um, But let's get to Malik Willis then, because I I went back and watched a lot of the throws. I went back and watched a lot of it, and I... You had a big three-part breakdown. Go check it out, Broadway Sports Media, where you break down the eye test, you break down the the metrics, and you break down the analytics. And um, I should say it's the initial eye test, and the reason I put initial on there is because that's what the fans watch, right? The fans watch the initial eye test. They very rarely go for the all 22. So they they did finish with, I believe, four three and outs. <laughs> so now they have a league-leading 53 three and outs on the season and no, they had 50 heading in so four three and outs i know they had five three and outs and one turnover on downs yeah and, well they had a couple yeah a couple of drives that were only four plays and it's like does yeah. that well, they had one drive t- that was four play i looked at this morning so they were they're up to 56 so you oh so you're counting four okay i can't well 56 if you include the four 55 if you don't um so i i think there was and i know you had some interesting comments about willis staying in the pocket, trusting himself, going through progression. So let's start with the positive 
on Malik Willis. Let's go, go that direction first. And in your opinion, in your mind, by the way, go to the Kingston Group and uh, check out the pharmacy. Pharmacy for burgers, Kingston Group for anything you need to know about your house, any renovations, anything like that you need to do. BuildKG.com. You can trust them. They're Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. They're award-winning, I might add. So go check them out. Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, and the pharmacy as well. Great place to grab a burger and a beer when you're listening to your favorite Titans podcast. Okay. So any, what are the positives people should take away? Because I have a few of my own, but I want to hear yours first. Give me some of the positives that you would take away from Malik Willis now after his third start in the NFL. Looked more comfortable. I thought that he looked great on RPO plays, and when it was his bread and butter, I thought that it looked like he was reading the field better. And I thought that um, he made some pro th throws and pro decisions for the most part. I I thought that what you have seen be complained about from his first two starts in the preseason was improved upon greatly. And I don't know if that's because maybe Chig and Traylon were on the field more and taking people with them. Because, uh, again, I have not watched all 22. But I thought from the angle of, of Malik Willis, I thought he played better. Now, I don't mean to say that he played great or anything. I don't think that he's <laughs> the feature or anything. But I think that if you're talking about a third-round rookie behind one of the worst offensive lines ever assembled in a Titans uniform, with Todd Downing as an offensive coordinator in a system that really doesn't fit him, I thought he showed progress. He's a third-round rookie, and I thought he showed progress in that in that context. You have to have context. You have to have nuance. You just have to. Yeah, it's well, life life is lived in the gray areas. It's not black yeah. and white. Um, I agree with you. I think even on the very first couple of drives, I thought the third down throw to I think it was to NWI on third and nine got him into the fourth down situation. That was a one-two read throw right into duck coverage, and it was a nice accurate throw. It kind of looked like it wobbled a little bit, but it was a nice throw. Got him into a fourth and short where they converted. I thought, to your point, he looked better on the on the uh, zone reads. A lot of really comfortable zone read options there where he's really comfortable giving the ball to Derek or taking it and running, They especially on the, the, the drive, the second-to-last drive that ended up in the interception where he does make a terrible decision and doesn't read the, the linebacker dropping out. But I thought he, he looked way more comfortable. He's even more comfortable with the media. He is far more comfortable speaking his mind. He had his first, I guess, team speech to the team this this last couple of days. He, he is looking and sounding more like an NFL starting player. Um, and I think that's a, a big step in the right direction. I thought there were a couple of times where you could see his head go one, two, read, read, mm -hmm. and no one was open. And and if no one is open, that ain't his fault. If that like, called him a lot of coverage sacks because they didn't put any sack on tight ends or on any of the offensive linemen, anybody the blocking, they put one sack on Malik Willis. The other three had to have been coverage sacks. I bet one is considered just a blown play, which would be the Corey Levin miss snap. And that had yeah, yeah, Chig yeah. and uh, really just like frozen. They were just flabbergasted. I don't know what to do <laughs> once the ball is snapped. Even if the, the ball is not supposed to be snapped at that time, you still fucking move. Yeah, you play your, you play the play. Um, no, the very first drive, I thought, actually, the very first drive is a perfect example of this. It's I think it's third down and nine or ten or something like that after a bad screen pass. And again, 12 negative plays, including sacks. A lot of that was like, we'll get to some of the negatives of Willis, but I think cadence might've been a problem for him. I think that, that that's what, what we all thought in, uh, in our group chat talking about the game is that something is up with the cadence. I think it's a Corey Levin issue. I don't necessarily think it's a Malik Willis issue because when he talked, when Mike Vrabel talked about Corey Levin's play, he talked about that play, the Chig play, put that squarely on Corey Levin, but he said operational things were a problem for Corey Levin. And operational okay. things have to do with the cadence. Well, I, I also so uh, I'll, that's I'll, just from what we've heard from Vrabel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I thought Jonathan Grenard was reading Malik Willis the entire the entire game. Like he 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 was he was in the backfield on the 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 offense is very predictable. <laughs> I don't know why you'd say that or who that <laughs> responsibility is for. But even on the first drive, back to Willis on the very first drive, they're in a bad situation. It's third and long, so it's a predictable situation. But he drops back and actually has a count or two to go through his reads. You can see his eyes go one, two, three, and then he has, then he's, he gets sacked. And so that's the offensive line or, but and frankly, that's coverage. So it, it, that that's an issue. I don't think the offensive game plan, while there were a few really fun, creative plays in particular, some of the RPOs, some of the zone reads, 
some of the handoffs where you're motioning one guy and motioning it was another guy. How well the RPOs worked and how few the times yeah. they used them. The one thing I think that did not do him any favors, and I think this is not on him at all, is clearly as the game went along, they were putting more and more people in the box to to threaten Derrick Henry and stop the run in different ways, and they never tried to loosen it up with Traylon Burks. They never tried to go down the field. They never tried to use his arm strength. They never tried anything. In fact, one of the best plays of the game was a 20-yard pass play to Traylon Burks on first down in like the second drive that was called back because of an NPF holding call. But it was a great play, and, and it was a nice design at the right time, capitalizing on Burks and Willis's strengths. So I think oh, he showed ridiculous. a lot more control of the offense, and I think yeah. that's a positive step. I think it's ridiculous that they didn't stretch the field at all. No racing McMath, right? I mean, racing McMath did not get one pass snap at all. No offensive snap for pass plays. That's ridiculous for a field stretcher. <laughs> That's insane to me. And then you have Traylon Burks and Chig Okonkwu. You know, Chig, he had a bad drop, two targets. One catch, one drop, two targets all game. Then you have Traylon Burks, three targets, zero catches. Now, we know that the one that he did get one on 20 yards was called back for a penalty. But the only other 20-yard pass attempted was the Hail Mary. Yeah, that's so stupid. That is utterly mind-blowing, mind-numbingly stupid. And here's <laughs> and it drives me nuts because, okay, the RPOs were working, right? Um, And I give credit in the article to Parkarski.com because I know Blake Benfield did all did all, a majority of this work. But the 11 RPO plays were called. 40 and those 11 plays count for 40.8% of the total offensive yardage, 10.1 uh, yards per play, 11 RPO plays out of 54 total plays. 12 of which were 12 of which were negative, by the way. Yeah. 12 of which were <laughs> negative. It's unbelievable how yeah. incompetent yeah. Todd Downing is week in and week out. And there is a, there is a, the second drive in the third quarter where they go Derrick Henry run pass, pass punt. Why not another Derrick Henry run? Why are they? I just, I don't get it. I don't get why the, in the second half, and this is a close game, why they're going away from Derrick Henry all the time. So, uh... Can I add one more positive? Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like we're already like everything we say I is do like have a negative about Malik Willis. I know two, <laughs> two negatives. Here's everything. But everything we say is like, here's a positive thing ish wrapped inside of like a negative burrito. So I want to say one more positive. I thought the touchdown run that drive embodied drive. Oh, that drive to me embodied. If you're a Titans fan, what you want your team to look like, which is right. Derrick Henry breaking tackles and physically just imposing your will. Malik Willis getting out of the pocket, them using design runs with Malik Willis, Malik Willis completing a few short passes like for for what he is right now. Right. Like, again, if he's a 12 year veteran, you want him doing different things. But right now you're trying to control the offense a little bit and play to the strengths. And that drive was some physicality, some Derrick Henry, some design runs, yards short... after catch by the wide receivers. Nobody for... wanted to go down like that is what that was the embodiment of a, a Titans football supposed to look like wasn't that the end around to burks too where like yep. vrabel comes running down there down. yeah like vrabel is like fully aroused running down the sideline like oh, yeah. saying way to go way to finish the run that, that is the drive that i that, that drive happened and i thought you know what because it was a second it was a oh my zach i was blown away not only was the drive like the way you want to see them play the game it was in the third quarter yeah zach how about that it was in the third freaking quarter and i go wait a second this team has some life. We're seeing some confidence here with the quarterback. I thought that's when they had the game one. And lo and behold, they also forced an interception on the very next drive. I like I, I, I that from that moment on, I thought the game is the Titans to lose. And of course, they figured out a way to lose it. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, they, of course they do. Look, there's some negatives to Malik Willis's play. I thought that I think the, the coaching staff is in his head too much and he doesn't feel I think he swapped. His hesitation in the pocket, you know, trying to find a ball and trying to, you know, panicking for hesitation getting out of the pocket when the play is obviously busted. And when he when he tried to get out of the pocket, it was already too late because he held his 
Um, uh, time to throw on sacks was 4.95 seconds. That does not include scrambles. So that is straight up. When he gets sacked, he held the ball for four point. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 4.95 seconds. That's almost five seconds. So he was not leaving the pocket quick enough despite the coverage breaking down the field. And I think that is coaching trying to make him something he's not, which is what you're not supposed to do when you draft Malik Willis, which I've said all offseason, said all regular season, that if you draft Malik Willis, you cannot do what you're doing. And, but that I is a him a, issue. I think there's a balance. I think there's a balance yeah, there. That's a him issue. That is too much on your sacks to, to hold on to the ball when you have athletic ability. When you have the ability to escape the pocket and make people pay with your legs, that's too long to hold on to the ball. So that's my number one thing. The other thing that I thought he did poorly on, well, I guess that was all both of them, holding on to the ball <laughs> and um, not escaping the pocket. Yeah, the Sorry, one I, I hit that all in a, in well, a one. Well, and I, kind of, th- there were, because I read that and then I went back and watched the game from your article. And then I was like, all right, I want to make sure I'm checking on this because there was a few times where I thought he did s- s- shoot out of the pocket quickly because the coverage, because the pressure was so bad that he just sort of took off. Yeah, he then had the, some good scrambles, but they were, yeah. he wasn't consistent in his decision making. In, in those instances, like there's times, in, you know, in the first few games and in the preseason, he bells on the pocket too early. Yeah. yeah yes. And now I, so he's bailing on the pocket too late. It, there's a there's a middle ground where you need to go through your progressions, but you also need to have that clock in your head going pretty yeah. quickly because your athletic ability is so dynamic. And again, even on the drive where they score the touchdown, it's that first 12 yard scramble that gets everything, gets all the juices going a little bit. Um, Clout House ENT says uh, there was a soundbite of Downing today saying that they don't want to get followed attendances with RPOs. That is, I, I would say this. I saw that clip. It, it is true of every single thing any offense in the history of the NFL does. If you fall into a tendency with anything that you do, the, the NFL is going to figure it out. So I don't I, know. It works for the Ravens and that th- this in Lamar's rookie year and his uh, second year has worked. Why can it not work for this team to go RPO heavy to help your your rookie out instead of putting, you know, like Jordan Ruse was playing a great game when they were doing RPOs and when they were doing run plays and all this stuff. And then when they get to the pure passing situations where everybody knows you're passing, he he crumbles up, which is OK, because he's a 29 year old undrafted free agent that's not going to amount to a start. <laughs> right. But you're not putting your team in the position to succeed. That's my thing. I don't know how anybody can walk away, and we talked about this on Thursday, how anybody can walk away saying that Malik played like shit and 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 look at the, the surroundings, look at the offensive coordinator, because you, I put this in the article. You know that if Ryan Tannehill went out there and threw for 165 yards and one interception and they lost the game, they would blame everybody else but Ryan Tannehill. And he is a so? first, obviously, he's okay. a first round 11 year NFL veteran that could not play well behind that offensive line that, that Malik Wills played on Saturday. So you're expecting a super raw developmental project who has had very little time to develop that was drafted in the third round to come in and be something he, that, that Ryan Tannehill couldn't even do. Yeah. That, I, to I, me, it's just. Either plain stupidity, stuck in stubbornness, or I'll say it. I think it's a little racist. Well, uh, I well, I fans. T- no, hey, hey I tweeted, I tweeted today that I thought Sam Hartman would be a better quarterback for Tennessee than Joe Milton, and I was told if where was my uh, White Hood meeting later? Oh, well, there you today, go. Today, because I happen to think that a guy with 130 touchdowns is better than a guy who started three games, but that's just my opinion. And I'm not saying um, every Malik Willis detractor is a racist, but if you don't think there's racist in every fan base, then you're, you're wildly, you know, naive. And I say this as someone who's lived in the South for like 35 of my 40 years, there, there are some races here. Okay. Yeah. Like there are some, <laughs> there's a few, you know, there's, there's some, there's, there's some races here. Okay. Um, we're not condoning the behavior, but, uh, it, either way, if you have a piece of analysis on Malik Willis versus Ryan Tannehill, I, if, if, if serious people don't have, that race is not a part of this discussion with right. from, from serious, serious people from yeah. serious normal human beings. And there, there's there, there are very unserious people. I think the context for all of it. Here's my I'll just give you my broad takeaway from Malik Willis. Like stepping back from the intricacies of every missed potential read or excellent execution of an RPO or whatever it is. Just stepping back and 
knowing that we we think they need to change the coordinator because we don't uh, they clearly didn't take any shots to help him out and loosen up the box for Derrick Henry. We don't agree with the timing and some of the decisions that Todd Downing has made. We all agree that they probably should make a move there. The offensive line is one of the worst we've seen in Titans, modern Titans history. The receiving core, while has some potential, Chig and, and Burks has not been fully healthy and not consistently played with Malik Willis much at all on a team that has lost five straight. And right now we're wondering about the questions and the confidence in the offense. I, I just think for a third round draft pick in his third start, you could have done a lot worse. <laughs> And the guy's got a ton of talent. He had them in the game. I mean, you know. He... the intercept. Now, the interception on the drive where you led a very solid first half of that drive into Texas yeah. territory. And you clearly, like, this is where I would say where Willis's biggest mistake was. He clearly pumps the, he pumps the slant route to Burks. And then he kind of hesitates. He's not sure if he should throw it again. But he throws it anyway. And he can't see because of the rush pass rushes in his face. That's one of those where you either need to fire it the first second or you need to take it and run. Yeah. And that's a mistake that a rookie quarterback makes sometimes, and it hey, happened on the worst possible situation. You should have seen my comments, Braden, when I said, oh, it looks like Malik Willis chose to do his best. Ryan Tannehill throws an interception to a Texas <laughs> linebacker uh, game. <laughs> and people were like, I can't believe you would co ever compare Malik Willis to Ryan Tannehill. They're, they're, Ryan Tannehill is a 10 times better. I was like, just saying, Ryan Tannehill has thrown that interception. We yeah, saw yeah. it last year in 2021. Ryan yeah. Tannehill has thrown an interception numerous fucking times. That yeah. is an interception that a lot of quarterbacks have made throughout the T year. Tua Tungavailoa just did it twice on Sunday. Who's, yeah. who's having oh, the I know because it, it, it fucked up my um, – his, his <laughs> concussion fucked up my uh, whole fantasy Championship. thing. Championship. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's having one of the most efficient seasons in the history of the NFL, and he just made two incredibly poor decisions and didn't see players. Yeah. It, it 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 happens, and so I my broad takeaway is I see progress, I see confidence growing, I see the little things around the edges that mean that maybe there's a chance he could grow into a starting quarterback one day down the road, and I don't think fans should expect any more than that. But I think you need an offensive coordinator change, you need a better offensive line, you need more weapons, and and all of that stuff has to happen for anything to even be possible for Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill. I think it's people are had this wild expectation that he was going to defy his third round pick. He was going to defy his raw development. And without ample playing time, he was going to be a stud whenever he went up to the line. I think it's wild because this team does nothing to help him. As far as during the game days, they don't do anything that made him successful at Liberty. They, they keep them in the box. They keep them confined. They're trying to make them and break them down and build them up. And I think that's a waste of time. Yeah. I think you got to just let Malik be Malik. And I've said it all year. All right. So we're not going to talk a ton of college football because the Titans are so dominant today on the show. Go check out the pharmacy. Of course, the burgers, they're amazing. They're spectacular. They're wonderful. They're great. And of course the Kingston group right there, build KG build KG.com is the website. Uh, the Kingston group, the pharmacy, two great, awesome sponsors here, locally owned businesses in Nashville, just like Broadway Sports Media, just like 440 Sports, all this stuff locally owned and operated here in Nashville, for Nashville, by Nashville. Look, got to play better, got to coach better. Shout out to, to the Sobros Network as well, also a local network here in town. So um, the, the injury stuff, unless you've got anything else to add on, on Willis, the only thing I would add is uh, the, the cadence thing, which I think he, yeah. I think he could have been better. Uh, and when he laughed about the trying to draw him off sides yeah, thing. I didn't, I didn't really like that. I thought that, but like to me, that shows one of two things. It shows either he's loose and confident and that he's maybe not a professional yet. Right. Yeah. Like there's, it's a little bit of both. Like I, I, th think, I think his comments after the game and, and after, I think that to me, his, I know you have a different take on his pressers, but to me, his pressers were, were not great. I thought uh, I, I meant more of today's availability. I thought yeah, today's... I, I didn't think it was that good. Okay. I just thought, I think his body, like, again, I studied. Oh, pressures. I think he has great body language. I, I, but it's even better than it was in camp, though. I, yeah. I, oh, I, I agree with that. But I think he's saying all the wrong things. If I was a professional teammate with him, okay. I wouldn't like what all he's right. saying. Right, that, no, that's me. That's, 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 a, that's a personal preference. It's like people who think Marcus is some, you know, great god of leadership. And Ryan Tannehill is, isn't a great leader because he went and got mental help. I think they're both pretty decent leaders How about I, th that? I think they're both different and i they're think very that's different what a, a malik willis is not my my leadership style so far so how are the titans going to beat the cowboys with none of their players because they probably shouldn't play any of them right and because that's just the tennessee titans i mean like <laughs> at the end of the day i know we've said this and it has not worked this has not been the same tennessee titans team but 
couldn't this be like some kind of crazy trap game? I mean, for the the Cowboys or something? Yes. Just over the Titans and the Titans just come out and they've installed more RPOs. They, you know, start using Burks and Chig more and because they recognize them. Maybe they just go crazy. You never know. Listen, I'll say this. The Titans are used, the people that are saying, well, I they don't need to be resting players. They need to, you know, have a winning attitude and, you know, this is a disservice to the fans. Fuck the fans. <laughs> like, I know there's not football to their efforts, but fuck the fans. Like, are you mental? They are resting players because they have not given up on the season and they think they're going to win in week 18. That's what they're playing for. That's not a losing mentality or loser mentality. That is a winning strategy. Yeah, it's that called is, a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That is smart. That is genius. And listen, if you have not sold your tickets, to this game by now through this losing streak and have not gotten your flight vouchers if you're flying in, that's on you. You're an idiot. You're a moron. Do not go to these games. I don't know how many times I can tell you. This is not a game. Well, nobody no, nobody did on Sunday, on well, Saturday. They shouldn't have. So. They, they absolutely shouldn't have, and they're not a lesser fan for it. They're a smarter fan for it. And and listen, I'll say this: you can. I, I'll give you more leeway to complain and bitch and moan about commitment and you know success and all these other things if you are out there on Christmas Eve in twenty-two degree weather. I'll give you more <laughs> leeway to have those opinions because you are committed. I can't question your commitment. You are a, you're a high level fan at that point. Uh, I've got one, a couple of my family that went to the game. I also had one guy in my family who sent a text message to like ten of us that said, "Hey, look, got some tickets available if anybody wants them." You know how many people responded? Zero. Zero people responded. <laughs> yeah. So so we we if you don't go and you don't show up, I, you have less room for me to, to complain no, about no. the, stra no, the strategy a, of success. No, you you have all the room to complain about because you know what? There are no fans better than other fans. All fans are created equal in the eyes <laughs> of Mike Rabel. And listen, it does not it does not matter if you go to the game or not. You know, that's that's stupid to go to a game against the Texans with Malik Willis behind the center with no offensive line. I don't care if you got him as a Christmas gift, sell him and take the money. Like, I don't care at this point. I think it's ridiculous that there's like this 1% of fans thing going on and that fans are talking down to other fans saying you're not a true fan because you didn't go to the game. Listen, this mm. team is mm. not worth your health. <laughs> it's not worth it. They're not worth it. And that does not make me a better fan to be real or worse fan that I am realistic in how well, I view this team. No, you you and I can both look at the same team and in the same moment say, hey, I, I would prefer to have a playoff game, even if we have a 5% chance of winning and win the division and it hurt us in the draft. And you can say, you know what? I think I value the 10 or 12 or 15 spots higher in the draft because I want to rebuild faster. That doesn't make either one of us a better or worse fan than the other. It yeah. just means we disagree on the strategy and that's okay. It's okay for us to feel that way. Um, a good question here is, do you think Tanny plays this is from clubhouse ENT? Do you think Tannehill plays in week 18? Is his double super secret surgery going to work? Well, I'll say this. Schefter said he's not playing. So he's playing on week 18. Wow. Schefter has no clue what's going on inside the Titans building. It's an Ian Rappaport building. <laughs> Ian Rappaport knows. And I'm telling you right now, it's the same surgery that Tua has gotten. It's the same surgery other players have gotten. It is, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it's a usually a two-week turnaround. If that motherfucker's playing, on, they're, they're playing. He's playing. Wow. I am fully confident. I'd be so surprised. He says... Rap sheet says he's likely to play is what he said. I don't think he said trying. I think he said likely. At least he did it in one tweet. He may have changed it since. Listen, then. I wouldn't. I first of all, anybody ever questioning Ryan Tannehill's toughness? Like, get out of here with that. Like, but I, I think that's the whole reason he went down, got the surgery, and that specific type of surgery, so he can play and turn around. And he's going. He's definitely. I think there's a better chance than not that he's playing Week 18 because they want to get in the playoffs. Mike Vrabel wants to get in the playoffs. The team wants to get in the playoffs, even though it's fruitless and unimportant. Well, and again, if fans want the celebration of a home playoff game, even if it means a loss, I'm okay with having that because look at all the best Titans players. They all were picked outside of the first round anyway. <laughs> Without, with the exception of Jeffrey Simmons, you got Derrick Henry, you got A.J. Brown, you got Kevin Byard, you got all, all the best players are drafted in the second round. So 10 spots in the first round, 
I'll trade that for a for, for for a playoff game and a division championship all day, all day, every day, twice on Sunday. Uh, they're just gonna have to go down to Jacksonville and uh, do this right here. Yeah, they're just gonna have to coach better and play better, and I, play better. I think the coaching staff would do well to say more of the first one. <laughs> the coaching staff can needs they always do say, hey, everybody's got to be better. We got to be better. Blah blah. They they need to start putting it a little bit more on themselves. I think. Yeah, I, I think they definitely got to. So there you go. Uh, you got like one bowl game question for me. Because listen, by I the do. way, college football playoffs are here. And Friday morning, 9 a.m., not only are we going to recap the Titans' victory over Dallas, <laughs> but we're going to preview the Orange Bowl with Tennessee and like four SEC games on Saturday and two playoff games. So we got lots of good college football coming up this weekend. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's let's talk about the bowl games that are going to be in between now and Friday. So which one are you more, which one has your attention most? Texas Tech versus Ole Miss or Arkansas versus Kansas? For some reason, it's Arkansas, Kansas. Um, they have two really interesting quarterbacks, Jaden Daniel, Jalen Daniels at Kansas, KJ Jefferson at Arkansas. I think it's going to be a super high scoring uh, game. You got two teams. Kansas wants to be there. Arkansas probably doesn't care as much. Uh, the over-under is a big number. I think both these games will be high scoring, so they're both really entertaining. But I'll take, uh, I, I like Kansas to win outright against, Arkansas, but I think it's going to be a really fun quarterback game. That one's just really interesting. They've only played one time, by the way. How about this? You want to win a bar bet, folks, this week. Kansas and Arkansas have played one time in history in 1906. It's pretty crazy. KJ Jefferson's playing, right? I mean, so, supposedly, all, supposedly. Supposedly played. Yeah. See, that to me is where, where it's at. Like, that's what I want to go see because KJ Jefferson obviously going to be entering the draft, I would assume. Um, and I'm interested to see what he does. I'm interested what see what he does in his final, supposedly final game, in front of a home crowd. Yeah, because basically. let's I remember it's in Memphis. What's going on with the water? Like, isn't there something going on with the water or something down there though? Like, like it's, aren't there like there's distractions within the city or something? Anyway, all right, you're the Memphis. There actor. is, if there is, then I I haven't heard about it, but uh, I know they have a big license plate issue. They're all on those old expired plates right now. What, what uh, about your Tigers? Your Tigers are playing on uh, on uh, today, right? On Tuesday. Yeah, two fifteen. Yeah, yeah there you go. I'm excited. Utah uh, State, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech also interesting, just because again, a lot of points should be fun to watch. Those are two like classic like bowl game bowl games. Like nothing really on the line. Lots of points on both sides. Pretty good quarterback play for all four teams. Just enjoy the fun. Like, don't bet on them, but enjoy the fun. Uh, yeah. Those should be those should be good. Those should be good games. Um, I, I do think uh, I do think the games on Saturday are going to be real interesting, though. So, oh yeah, I can't uh, wait to talk about them. Uh, under a boil a boil alert. What is that? I don't uh, know. Puka Puka Hair says. A oh, boil under alert. boil alert. Uh, I guess they can't boil water or something. What? This is this is this is watching two Nashvilleians get confused quickly live on on on, on the internet. Uh, so yeah, man, th th this was somebody was asking me about this. Hey, is that how how does that affect Arkansas and Kansas for gambling purposes? I said you need to get a job. If you're if you're under a boil alert, you should use bottled water or boil tap water. That's what. See, I see. I was right. Something's go. going on with the water yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, here it goes. MLGW Memphis uh, Light Gas and Water. There you go. That's crazy. God, Nash, and then all the fans for the Titans complaining about the one-hour delay too. Yeah. And you you can't come you you can't just wait one hour for a football game. Meanwhile, a whole other city has to boil all its water. Ridiculous. Come on, man, have some perspective. That uh, Nashville privilege. <laughs> Nashville privilege. Uh, Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. If you're going to have any big decisions about your house, don't make them until you talk to the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Just have a conversation with them. And, of course, the pharmacy so crowded right now that we couldn't even do the show there. There's so many people. It's so The food is so good. That place is so hot right now. Go check out the pharmacy, of course, uh, right over there on McFerrin Avenue. They've got a location downtown as well. Great burgers, great brats, locally sourced beers, all kinds of really creative and unique stuff that you can only get at the pharmacy. In fact, my buddy texted me today, and he was like, hey, my wife and I, we're not out of the house very often, but we're in East Nashville. We need to get someplace to eat. I said, I got the place for you. Go to the pharmacy. Get yourself, yeah. a, get yourself some brats and some tots and have a good old time. Zach, where can people find you and listen to you and, and all the great stuff, your scribings and your ramblings? Okay, scribings, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go and get an insider pass today to read most of my work. And then uh, my ramblings, football and other F-words, and, of course, this show, uh, football and other F-words every Wednesday. Wherever you get your podcast, and there also on the Broadway Sports Media YouTube channel. There you go. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Please tell somebody about the product. We really appreciate it. That's how it grows is by 
folks like you out there listening and sharing the product with uh, all your friends. We do appreciate it. Uh, and again, check out all of Zach's work. Check out all our stuff. Fringe Element with a deep, deep preview, of course, into the Georgia Ohio State matchup. We've got Fred shows. We've got Nashville SC stuff. We've got all kinds of great stuff on the 440 Sports Network. Serving Nashville sports fans better than anybody else. So go check it out. For Zach, I am Braden. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you Friday morning following the Titans victory over the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> right here on a football show.